I swear, I'm not about to pitch you a bad teen thriller. But what if I told you there was a secret beach, a unique oasis far off the beaten path? It's not on any of the tourism brochures. They don't talk about it to outsiders. You need to know how to find it to get there. But once you do, it's stunning. A sandbar stretching far out into the water that makes it feel like you're walking on top of the lake. Crystal clear blue, stunning views. Perfect for Instagram or whatever else. And every so often, someone dies. Again, this is not a movie pitch. This is the story of a tiny little spot near Nelson, B.C. that's claimed several lives and very nearly claimed many, many more. And nobody at any level of government wants to take responsibility for this secret beach, not even to post signs or a lifeguard. Meanwhile, accidents keep happening, including a death this July that made clear to locals that as word spreads and their gorgeous secret beach becomes more crowded, something needs to change. But will it? This is the big story. Tyler Harper is a reporter for the Nelson Star who's been to this beach and covered its deadly history. Hello, Tyler. Hi, Jordan. Why don't you start, um, for those of us who don't have a map in front of us, and just where exactly is Six Mile Beach, like geographically? Yeah, so Six Mile Beach is about a 15-minute drive west, or pardon me, east of Nelson uh, here in the Kootenays in British Columbia. And it's a... you know, you won't find it on any uh, tourism guides, local tourism guides. They very specifically don't tell people about it at the visitor center here in town. But it is uh, an incredibly popular spot in this region. Can you describe it? Give me a sense of, you know, how you get there and uh, what you do or what you see, I guess, when you get out of your car and, and walk towards it. Yeah. So you you have to know where it is. That's That's the first thing is... Uh, this is all. This has long been considered uh, like a secret spot that only locals really know about. In the last, you know, few years especially, the secret has gotten out. So what you have to do is you drive down this little down a highway and then take an exit off onto this small road, and there's no signage to show you where the beach is. You have to know. It's you stop off at a little spot on the road, and there's a forested path to the beach. And it's important to note that the beach is beautiful. Like this isn't just another beach. This is a nice big beach. The sand is perfect. It's got beautiful views of Cooney Lake. And the thing that makes it a a real draw for people is a very unique sand spit that extends out into the middle of Cooney Lake. And you can walk out onto that sand spit and it feels very much like you're on the surface of the lake in the middle of the lake. It's not something you get anywhere else in the Kootenays, or at least in the West Kootenay. And it's, you know, it's a common sight in the summer to see people out on that sand spit, uh, just walking around and then taking dives into the water. How did you hear about it? Well, I started going there. Uh, I I first moved here five years ago. And uh, after hearing about it from uh, people who live here and know about it, my family went out there and, 
you know, a lot. I've been there a lot over the last several years with family. I'd take friends visiting out there. Any anytime family would come out, we always go out there. There are a lot of beaches out here. Uh, there's a uh, in Nelson. There's uh, Lakeside Beach, which is, the, which is the municipal beach. It's very popular, um, but it's not. Uh, it's not nearly as nice. Uh, a lot of the beaches out here are quite rocky. Six Mile is perfectly uh, silted. There's no rocks anywhere. It's it's beautiful. If you know about it, and a lot a lot of people do now, uh, it's definitely the ideal beach to go to. Okay, now tell me the deadly secret part. Well, so yeah, so this is the other side of it, which is the beach is uh, incredibly dangerous. Uh, so in uh, 1959, uh, three children uh, drowned at that at that sand spit. And since then, there have been two more deaths. Uh, the latest happening uh, in July this year, a 23-year-old man and his partner went out into that sand spit. And the woman was saved, but the, the man drowned. Um, and since that happened, uh, local residents have been calling for change at that beach. And since our story went out a week ago, what we've heard overwhelmingly is that people did not know the danger of that beach, that they've been going out there for years with their own families and didn't realize that it's uh, the drowning uh, possibility is huge when you go out onto that sand spit. Can you explain um, what's so unique about it and like how these accidents happen? It's kind of a combination of things. One is that uh, it's very steep. So if you uh, consider the beach uh, sort of a, a point that goes out into the middle of the lake. Now, there's the one side, which is the eastern side, which is quite gradual. It's wonderful. You can walk out there. It's, uh, you know, again, perfect sand. It's very, uh, very gradual, totally safe. However, once you go into the spit and on the western side, there is a significant uh, drop off in depth. Um, this is combined with two other factors. One is that, again, the sand, there's no rocks. So it's very, it's very much, uh, it's, it's very unsteady on the feet uh, when you're walking. And the other side of this too is that at this point where this beach is located, Kootenai Lake really becomes a river. There's several dams on, on a Kootenai River and there's a current that goes around that, around that beach and it's quite strong. And the other side of this too is that Kootenai Lake is very cold. So if you get out there, as one one of the people who uh, involved in an incident told me, once you get out there, you're you're very cold. And uh, one woman who saved a child's life about 20 years ago, over just over 20 year, years ago, told me she was actually diagnosed with hypothermia. Um, and doctors told her she wouldn't have lasted very long in the lake because, uh, and this is in uh, the middle of the summer. How is it that... Um... There's a lake that, you know, all the locals know about and, and you know, you've been going there for a while and then you publish an article in the local paper and people say, I had no idea uh, that it was dangerous. Well, I think this comes to the lack of management at the beach. So the beach is located on Crown Land. Um, I spoke to the uh, BC Forestry Ministry about it and they said, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's like any other water access point in BC. Um, and probably across Canada too, which is to say, use at your own risk. So the regional district government out here has no jurisdiction over management. Um, it's too far away from the city, so the city has no jurisdiction there. And there, that means there's nobody to warn people about the danger of this beach. Now, one of the issues that came up with this beach is that a lack of signage at the beach to warn people about the spit. 
before the death happened in July, there was one sign. It was covered with graffiti. So you had to kind of squint to see that there was a sign there warning you of an undertow, but it wasn't very specific. And the other side of this, too, is that the uh, the death in July, witnesses told me that the uh, the man and his partner kayaked in to the beach. So they wouldn't have seen any signs anyway, and they wouldn't have known about the danger. So having a, a lack of uh, sort of any safety measures put in place by the government of any of any level is kind of the reason why nobody nobody knows how dangerous this beach is. Can you describe what happened uh, to the couple in July? Just kind of walk us through it. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it, details are still a little vague on this. Uh, part of the reason for this was in my own reporting, the families were not ready to, to speak about it. The trauma, frankly, is a little too fresh. But I, had, I did speak with a number of people who were there on the scene at the time. You know, one woman I spoke to, uh, who's quite a good swimmer, uh, she ran out there. And the, the, the beach was packed at the time when this happened, uh, as is typical of that, of that uh, like a summer day. And people started running. Uh, people see this guy go under and, and his partner go under. And they're struggling in the water. And uh, they're both screaming for help. The beach starts rushing to help uh, this man. The first woman to get out to get out there, uh, she saves the woman. She grabs the woman, is able to haul her in. But the man goes under, and people can't find him. And it took too long to find him. And in the end, his body—he he had obviously drowned. But then his body—it uh, actually took search crews another day to find the body. Um, and that's just because the current and the sand can just—it um, one one person in this my story refers to it as like a quicksand. Like it's obviously not quicksand, but the, there's a feeling of just being sucked down into the lake at that beach. Have you ever gone to the the more uh, dangerous areas of that uh, sandbar? Oh, yeah, all the time. Plenty. And with my son, too. And again, not knowing uh, how dangerous it was. And it's really, really distinct. I, you go out there and you feel like you're on the surface of the lake. And it's something that is obviously tempting for people to go out and try and do and it takes no effort too it's it's a simple walk into the water and you know it's very deceiving too because the water on the sand spit it only gets as high on an adult as maybe your knees you know there's certain and there's a certain point there where it actually rises back up so at the tip of the sand point you're probably the water is probably just above your ankles and then like right next to you is where it drops off completely into a fast moving current that's also freezing cold. Yes, freezing cold, uh, a current. It's also, and this is actually another point that's important to raise, is it doesn't look like there's a current. It's an, it's, it's very much looks like a still lake a lot of the times. You know, it's a big, it's a huge lake. Um, and on a windy day, it's as rocky as any other lake. But on a still summer day, there's still a current there that you can't see that will drag you out. So I know that it's on on Crown land, as you mentioned, um, and that's why there's no jurisdiction. But what is being done to make it safer? It does kind of seem unreal that even though it's technically not anybody local's responsibility, that you know there is not a, a campaign to save lives at some level of government here. Well, so there's not, and that's that. You know that gets back to the fact that it's not considered anybody's responsibility. So, and you can kind of understand why. You know if. If you're the provincial government and you're asked to start managing uh, water access points, well, that's, you know, how many water access points are there in BC? Thousands. And you can't possibly know which of those are popular to use or not, especially 
Even when in a situation like Six Mile, locals don't really realize how popular that beach is. And it's not advertised in uh, local tourism. So from the, I, you can I kind of understand why nobody has been willing to take responsibility for it. And that's part of, the, part of the problem there is just nobody knew how dangerous this beach was, except for the people who lived there. So the people who lived there, uh, I spoke to many of them from my, in my reporting. And, you know, a lot of them grew up around that beach and they knew uh, how dangerous it was. You know, in 1959, when those three kids drowned, after that happened, local parents made sure their kids knew how to swim there not to go alone and not to go on the certain sides of the beach that were most treacherous. That has been sort of a mindset of that local community. And this is one of these communities too, where people don't move away. This is like, um, you know, you might Toronto Island, for example, might be a good, a good uh, comparison here where people get these beautiful homes. They're in a beautiful spot and they never leave. So a lot of the people I spoke to for the story have been living there for decades. I spoke to one woman who's been living there since 1964 and very clearly remembered these kids drowning. And, you know, growing up, everybody out there knew about the kids drowning. They knew what not to do. But the area has also changed a lot. And, you know, we've had there's we've seen a population increase in Nelson. More people are coming out here and especially for tourism. And therefore, more people are finding out about the beach. And so to answer your question, local, local residents, especially after this latest death, are really pushing for something to happen. Um, the general idea is signage. Now, we have a local politician out here. Uh, his name is Tom Newell with the Regional District of Central Kootenai. And he's really had to take on a lot of this himself just to try to get some signage out there. Now, I was told that uh, last Wednesday, coincidentally on the day my story came out, there was a meeting between uh, local residents, regional government, and provincial government uh, officials. I don't know too much more about it at this point, but I have been told that signage will be in place for next year. Now, of course, the other side of that is what if people don't care? You know, you, I think a lot of us may, it may be fair to say, if we see a sign that says something is dangerous, we might do it anyway. And in such a situation, where you look out at the beach and it's perfectly calm looking and it's gorgeous. And you think to yourself, I'm going to walk out there and take a selfie and it's going to look like I'm in the middle of the lake standing up. What are the residents themselves doing? In particular, I guess the, the community really close to the beach that you mentioned, do they, um, do they put up homemade signs? Do they, uh, you know, try to tell people they see on the beach? Like it, it seems nuts that people are flocking to this place and, and have no idea. Yeah. And in the days after the death, People put up their own homemade signs warning uh, visitors about the danger. Some of those signs have been since torn down. This beach suffers from the same problem that most beaches suffer from if you, if you are a resident living nearby, which is to say, you know, there's garbage, there's people partying there, uh, there's people who are there late at night, there's noise complaints. So there's always something going on with this beach. That said, there's nobody to manage the beach and even local residents don't really know what to do about it. Now there's other issues around the beach as well, such as uh, a real uh, traffic issue on this road, but they don't really know what to do. And they've been asking local government to do something, but even local government is very leery about what it can and can't do. So I think, you know, what the solution is here, I'm not really sure. 
I expect it will be some sort of partnership between the regional and the provincial governments. We have a, a couple of models out here that their regional government, uh, for example, manages a beach out here that's on Crown land. So that might, that might be a thing. But whether or not that actually prevents people from going out on the sand spit, it's really hard to say. So is this the reason there's no lifeguard, for example, as is common at, you know, most public beaches? Is this a liability issue because whichever level of government commits to responsibility for it is then also um, probably going to face some recriminations the next time uh, something bad happens? Uh, Because otherwise it would seem like the model that you just mentioned would be fine. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's kind of funny, actually. Every time I would check in with a local government officials and the reporting of this story, usually it was, okay, well, we need to talk to our lawyers first. And the this gets back to what I said before about water access points across the province is that you're taking responsibility for a spot. What that means is you're opening yourself up to liability if something goes wrong. So it makes a lot of sense for the provincial government to keep its hands off these spots, especially a spot like Six Mile. But you know, people are people have died there, and pe- more people will die. It doesn't seem like much. Only five people have died in the last sixty years there, but there have been countless incidences of near deaths at that beach, and it's only growing in popularity. And this is a you know, if you think about think about every beach you've considered your own. Think about every side spot on a highway where you thought, I'm just going to dip my toes in the water here. How often is there a, a lifeguard there? How often is there like some personal flotation devices just nearby, just in case? And would you even use them? It's really hard to manage that many spots across the country, really. And even when there's one spot here, which is undeniably different from the rest, it's really important to to put that into context. This is not just a little rocky beach off the side of the highway. This is a legit beach. Even then, you can kind of understand why the government would be reluctant to take any stewardship of this beach. Oh, I can understand it. I mean, for sure. I think one of the things that that fascinates me about this story is, first of all, the story of the beach, but also the idea that these are different levels of government arguing that they don't have to protect people because it's not their responsibility, which totally they're within their uh, legal rights to do so. But it's a fascinating thing to watch happen when someone could get hurt here again. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, we're, we're kind of talking around it, uh, but really, isn't this the role of government is to take care of its citizens' safety, especially in a place where you know this will happen again? So, you know, you can talk about uh, management, you can talk about, you know, possible litigation or taxation was another issue that came up in this, uh, in the, my reporting, like who will pay for this? Well, really, it should be all of our responsibility to pay for it, especially when, you know, we're all walking out there and we're all playing with that lake in a way that is actually quite dangerous. Tyler, thank you for walking us through this story. Like I said, it's uh, it's fascinating, and I hope um, hope something's different by next uh, swimming season. I think it will. Uh, I've been told that they are going to have signs out there before next swimming season. But again, if it, they might need to do more, and we'll see what that is. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is great. Tyler Harper of the Nelson Star. 
That was The Big Story. If you'd like more, thebigstorypodcast.ca is where you're headed, or you can find us in any podcast player you prefer. If you've got feedback, we'd love to hear it at thebigstorypodcast, all one word, all lowercase, at rci.rogers.com. Of course, we're always on Twitter. You can talk to us anytime at thebigstoryfpn. And finally, The Big Story is produced by a team, including Claire Broussard, Ryan Clark, Annalisa Nielsen, and Stephanie Phillips, who has a new podcast on this very network that's called Paradigm. If you like The Big Story, you need to check out this one because it is a collection of stories from across the country told by a diverse set of producers. Each episode is in a different voice and has a different tone and will take you to a world that you've either never imagined or totally misunderstood. It's going to be amazing, so go check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk on Monday. <laughs>